because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh, and we know what the fuck we want to do. Welcome, everyone, to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com. And what a year The Green Room has had this year, 2011. We've had a lot of big-name guests on, a lot of funny comedians, a lot of hilarious moments. And first off, I just want to say uh, thank you to all the audience for downloading the episodes, for spreading the word, for going to SeanTGreen.com, for clicking that Amazon link, for supporting my uh, CD on iTunes, The Whiskey Dick. Sales have been great. Really appreciate all the support, guys. And I know I, I, uh, it seems like we got a lot of new people on board. I know I've been getting a lot of feedback on Twitter, at Green Room Show. So I figure for all the new people and for some of the older people who have been around, some green machines from back in the day who maybe missed a couple of the big moments of 2011, I was going to sit down, cut together the best of moments of 2011, present them. This is a, uh, the Dirty Dozen, the top 12 moments of the Green Room 2011 we're going to start things off with a very funny comedian and a very funny story, Eddie Pepitone. And Eddie and I and Logan were talking about Charlie Sheen and his drug-fueled meltdowns. So uh, take a listen. Their meltdowns are huge. Now, what I love about him is that he is doing it in public, whereas a guy like <laughs> Mel Gibson – well, do you know all of the other celebrities do it behind closed doors, and only there's only a few people who get to hear their right. meltdown, their right. shrinks, their 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 lovers. Officer Sugar Tits. There's a couple yeah, people yeah, yeah. who get to hear the <laughs> yeah, meltdown. Yeah, yeah. But Charlie Sheen, if you happen to be a cop looking yeah, enough exactly. to pull over one of these, <laughs> or yeah. some PA on a movie set. But he is like, I mean, I didn't see the TV interview. Oh, okay. But was it amazing? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I saw most. Of it. He's he's great, and I just love the instead of like mm-hmm. trying to hide it or whatever he just goes hey tmz bring bring that paparazzi guy sets up in the backyard with the pool and they're streaming this live on the internet <laughs> this is why they invented the internet so we could just see see this guy's crazy crazy life by and, the way uh, this quote-unquote meltdown <laughs> another thing about it is it's a lot more positive than other celebrities <laughs> meltdowns like I mean, most yeah. people start insulting people, you know, uh, anti-Semitic things come out, but when Charlie Sheen is having a meltdown, he goes all out and parties. Right. And- <laughs> I mean, he, he seems to he seems to almost be, uh, you know, almost be poetic with some of these mm. uh, great sound bites. I'm an F-18, bro. What was that one? <laughs> oh, he's, uh, when he's talking, I'm, I'm an F-18. F-18. Bro. S-A- Winning, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a what? Uh, F-18. F-18. He was talking about how he just attacks <laughs> life. He's an F-18. <laughs> I lo- and I love. Well, is he smoking? By the way, is he smoking crack well, during these interviews? Because my friend <laughs> told me that, and this is the one I listened to, the Alex Jones interview, which okay. is awesome because yes. I'll never forget him saying, "I had insomnia the other night, and I put on Sheen about four in the morning. And I'm in my kitchen, <laughs> and I'm listening to Charlie Sheen, and he's going, "Hey man, he's starting to talk about, hey man, that's a bootleg cult, man. Fuck that bootleg cult. Can I curse? By the way, yep, yep. fuck that bootleg cult, and um, I'd rather be in a private jet." 
with two smoking hotties. <laughs> yes, like that. And exactly. my friend said you could hear him pulling on a crack pipe at one point. I mean, he was serious. Whoa. So a couple of people are saying, hey, this isn't funny. Right. A couple of people are saying, hey, this isn't funny. Charlie Sheen is dying right in front of our eyes. Like, he is going to... Have a public well, funeral. You know, what? you know what I mean. And 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 I see that angle, but I I think mm. they're. I, <laughs> I see that angle. I see, but I don't care. I see I see the angle of he's a human being, and maybe yeah, we should I try see to. The human being angle. Maybe we should try to that step is in. Funny. But now here here's what I'm saying. I'm reading this <laughs> Keith Richards biography, and some people it seems like just have a they have a tolerance for it. They just have an they have an <laughs> ability true. to metabolize cocaine at That's a certain true. level that some people. By don't. the way, I did. Co- Cocaine one summer and yeah. I couldn't handle it. I did it for a summer and I blacked out and I had heart. Pa- I would have been. I mean, if I, Sheen is right. Did you hear? There was another quote. He said, "Hey, people can't party with me because their bones would melt." <laughs> right? Did you right. hear that? Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. And I agree, dude. I'm like, no mas. <laughs> right. This is. Uh, yeah. This is. Uh, this is. I think pretty much the quote here. Charlie Sheen is has got to be on drugs again. Sure. Yeah. Who is this? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I oh, this is a 2020. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's not available because if you try it once, you will die. Your face will melt <laughs> off. You try to leave your exploded body. Um, too much. So uh, it's too much. Yeah, no, it's it's just I, I again I woke up and decided you know I've been kicked around. I've been I've been criticized. I've been like the odd shucks guy with like this bitch in Rockstar Life. <laughs> completely embrace it. Wrap both arms around it and love it violently. And defend it violently. Now his, his violent his, hatred. His diction as a broadcaster, I admire awesome. his his diction, just the way yeah. he punches these words out. Yeah. Now here's that hanging out with the uh, smoking hotties. Oh, you I'm gonna it. hang out with these two smoking hotties. <laughs> Dude, when I was listening, that's to so that, funny. I mean, come on, this is this is very entertaining. But is he is he high during these interviews? Well, he's been tested negative. Now I guess you after a few days <laughs> yeah. ago, tested negative I, I for guess. seventy the seventy two hours prior. So for at least three days, he stopped doing crack and took a test for wow. some news. Now about. I guess uh, yeah, like like Logan was saying, I guess after this twenty twenty interview, he took a drug test, he passed it. And he, here's my thing: I don't know if it's necessarily all drugs. I think he's got. Possibly a brain chemistry issue. He seems to feel. Oh, right. He seems to be a little manic, and maybe that's kind of. He's got all this natural right. kind of manic energy, and then he starts doing the coke here's and kind where, of rolling. Here's where I identify with Sheen. Here's why where I identify with Sheen is that he is basically saying fuck you exactly. to everybody, and I love that because we all are constantly going, oh yes, yes, right. to see. Yeah. And we're in the entertainment industry, so it's like we understand that too. It's like oh. Yes, yes, Mr. Television Executive. Thank you so much for hiring me. Oh, yes, yes, Mom. Like all our lives, we are we are trying to be good little boys and girls. Our whole lives. Right. And I think Sheen and big celebrities are under the microscope so much that he is having this kind of uh, rejuvenation, this this rebirth, this freedom of saying "fuck you," I don't care anymore. And I yes. guess he's got yeah. the money to do it. Right. Like people like us. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Or, or me. I should speak, not speak for you guys, but people <laughs> oh, yeah, like I'd... me have to play the. I can't say fuck you. <laughs> I need money. Eddie Pepitone does need money, guys, just like we all do. Hey, uh, 
Check out uh, Eddie's uh, new CD, A Great Stillness. Very funny guy, very funny CD. Make sure you check that out. All right, guys, moving on. Speaking of money, you know what gets more and more expensive these days? College. And what better person to talk about college than Hassan Minaj, a stand-up comedian who's played a ton of colleges and came on the green room and shared a couple stories. Did you meet any chicks? Any any hot college broads? Any- yeah, but what happened was is I was working with another comedian who shall remain nameless, and uh, he we, we go out with these girls, and uh, they're like, oh, hey, like go like get us liquor or whatever. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> That's always a good pick. And already hey, we're like we're already feeling creepy. Like I'm in a rental car in Indiana. <laughs> And I'm like scoring liquor with, for yeah, these chicks. With and you're another, like, wait, are they just using me for the schnapps? Or do they really like my stand-up comedy? Yeah. So uh, we do that, uh, and we pick we pick up the liquor, or whatever. Um, I don't drink, but uh, my, like you know, I have a lot of comedic friends that do. And sure. uh, so we have uh, we have a, like a fun night. We all hang out, and uh, then coincidentally, like I I, I was t- kind of taking the bullet for my friend. Uh, he was with the attractive, more attractive female, and I was with her. A uh, friend with a good personality, and uh, it <laughs> I like was, how you couch that. So nothing, nothing ended up happening on my end, but they end up, you know, doing the damn thing. I get a call from both of our mutual college agent the next day. Apparently, she was on the board that booked us. Oh, jeez. She, her roommate said she was missing. Called the advisor. <laughs> Long story short, it ended up, they ended up finding out that she did sleep with one of the comedians, and. Uh, he got in pretty big trouble because she was 17, so uh, <laughs> that's a problem. So, so there's no pen. Yeah. We could be looking at some sort of charges here. So, yeah, uh, I, I have no idea what's happened with him since. But uh, we talk about you know com- being com- comedy being done in just random areas. I did a show in uh, Delaware where they basically – it was like uh, their last day of school. So they, they set up a mic in a stage in the middle of the quad <laughs> as people were walking to class, and they just said, go. And I go um, – Usually I do this like whenever I'm in a new area. I go, hey, can I just maybe like have an opener? Like I can just like use Facebook and find like a local yeah guy. local guy. Yeah, throw, throw throw a little meat to the wolves. Let yeah. them let him break the ice. Exactly. Yeah, hey man, do you want to do like thir- 20? You know, like go to 20. Yeah, and it's probably good because there's probably some kid out there who's like, oh, it's my it's my dream to do stand up comedy. I'll invite all my buddies. Sure. And you're like, all right, that's good. Sure. And then I, being a real comedian, can follow you and I'll look really good. Exactly. And also like you will have I, I will be able to assess what's going on. So they set up this state they go don't worry we have an opener for you so i get there i go great cool you guys are on top of it you're doing your job uh it starts off this is uh my opening crowd right here so we have a we have a hot four yeah. Uh, there. Um, and if you keep uh, sliding across, and the worst part is, is one there's more than three's a crowd. There. There's a yeah. there's a huge canopy. There's like a huge stage, and then there's just keep four going. people. Keep going, and then you'll see my opening act if you slide over a few. Magician. <laughs> can I, can I guess so magician? that was my opening act, Sean. Oh you man, go you got You got to email me this uh, okay. the picture for the website. My opening act was the University of Delaware's mascot. Nice. Uh, so basically, uh, their notion of comedy is I'm essentially a, a clown. <laughs> Like, I'm no better than a clown and or mascot. The, ma- well- the mascot killed, didn't he? He was great. He did pretty, really well. <laughs> because, you know what? He could – and then we, we did a little duo. We did right. a little tag team action. <laughs> and uh, who's going who's gonna to boo a mascot? Yeah and, I at mean, the, yeah, and at this point, I'm just reading jokes. I'm just like, you know what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to do an act. There's no point. Well, oh, you want to hear what my take is on abortion? You don't. <laughs> Abortion can be a controversial topic for many comedians, but this next guy, he's not afraid of controversy. In fact, he embraces it. So when I got him on the phone, I had to ask him, what's it like performing in front of your mother? This is Jim Jeffries talking about doing his act in front of his dear old mom. (laughs) 
any kind of weird reaction to your mom uh, checking out your comedy or you, you say something on uh, the radio? Me and my mom have had to have words really about that because she 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 can't watch everything. You know, it's 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 always not fair because I make my living out of being personable or personal about my life and saying everything that's going on. So if I openly say that I've taken drugs or openly say that I've had a threesome with some girls or whatever, right? That's not stuff you want your mum to hear, right? But that's that's how I make my living. So I'm, I'm she either has to believe that everything's made up, <laughs> which is what I tell her. Yeah, I go, oh, I just make it all up. Or she has to not read it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, because so, cause the whole thing about your parents is your mum knows you better than anybody else in the whole wide world, but she only knows you about 30%. And you've got your friend who also knows you 30%, your best mate, but he knows you not the same 30% that your mum knows you. And then there's another 40-odd percent that you only know yourself. You know, but right. somewhere in the middle, there's a complete person. But right. your parents don't know about you getting drunk in Thailand off with a hooker <laughs> and all that type of stuff. Of course they do, but your best mate does. But your best mate doesn't know about the time you cried because your, your, your dog died or what. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, you got you got cut on the football team eighth grade and you came home and cried, but your mom your mom, your mom, uh, made you a nice meal and everything was okay. Yeah, your friends don't know about that. I mean, I was just asking, I mean, I find it interesting, but also personally because I'm going to – home to Philly to do a show March 12th. And my, my mom, this is like one of the first shows she's going to be uh, at. So, you know, I'm like figuring out, you know, what to do, what not to say, what what part <laughs> of the act to include. And then part, you know. I broke out in a sweat the first time my mother came to a gig. Like just broke out like it was a defense mechanism, like with an animal putting its spikes up. <laughs> I, I'd been... So nervous, and she's an intimidating woman, and she walks with a cane, and she's about 300 pounds, and she <laughs> she sat there square in the middle, she didn't laugh at anything, and oh, it's obvious it was her, and if you've listened to my stand-up, everyone in the room knew who she was as well. I, just... I don't envy you, sir. I think it's a horrible thing to perform in front of your mum. Yeah. Your dad's all right. Your dad, you can do it in front of, but your, yeah. your mum's a tricky one. Jim Jeffries isn't the only comedian whose uh, act can get a little randy. This uh, next guy, Scott Bowser, he's known for really going to some dark places on stage, really kind of getting blue. Always funny, always hilarious, and that's why I was shocked when I found out he was involved in this high school activity. Uh, that's that's bullshit. You guys are going to rip on me so hard for this right now, but I was actually a male cheerleader. Whoa! (laughs) Holy crap! I I, I lettered varsity in cheer. Um... <laughs> oh man, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Because Scott, you see, you you're, just right now, you have the appearance that like if I didn't know you, <laughs> if I didn't know you, I'd be not scared of we you. Would, but I, I would, would just, cross the street if I saw you on the street. Uh, I just be like, I would just take a look at Scott and think uh, he's up to no good. And you know, I'm just like ah, that guy. I don't know. That's where I get my pep. Like I, right? No, I mean you're an interesting character, I, but I, I don't picture you as a side. Okay, am I? Give me. I, a, no, I wasn't on the sidelines ever. Let me tell you that right now. What, you I, couldn't make it out to the I, sidelines. I never had to. Like I was just like on the competition team where they would do like like the like the like the what you call what's that movie the cheer movie bring it on oh like, like you don't well, know I was Scott. like I was I was like I was on the competition team dude like competition I was, team I would right. basically throw right. the girls around and do some horrible oh, dude, I know what cheerleaders I know I've seen male cheerleaders did you do that did right. you do that yeah. typical uh, excuse uh, that everyone uh, goes 
Oh, well, you know, you do get to look up the girl's uh, skirt. Yeah, okay. So it's Dude, I got to watch him change. So what? I get to hang out with I chicks always, all that day? That on me, though. I always make, that makes me for a second think it's cool. Hey, it's it being a male cheerleader. Of course Logan would be, like, jealous of male cheerleaders. <laughs> like. yeah. now, so now, come on. It, how did you get into male cheerleading? Um, here's what happened. My water polo buddy that I rode with was my ride to school every morning. Yeah, um, we had early you guys shower we, we had early water polo practice before school every day, and then when water polo season ended. He saw it. He's like, I can't take anymore because I got to go early for cheer. So I was like, Oh, cool, just pick me up, <laughs> and then I'll just hang out and read a book or whatever. And I would seriously be sitting there like reading like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, like this like grim little fifteen year old. And then they finally were like, Hey, do you think you could fit in over here? Like, like just fill in for this one spot and they liked me and they kept they kept, they kept going and like imagine a cheer like, imagine a cheerleader that I, sees scott like man that guy's got something in him like you know this is kind of like the blind side like they yeah, scott off the street that's like a movie like he was a god oh, kid god, always yeah. depressed reading dark I was, books i was a slacker stoner hanging out with the water polo team and and some punk rock kids next thing i know someone believed in me and i i think my mom may have thrown it away but I want to save my old cheer uniform. Oh, God is right. And you couldn't have cheerleaders if it wasn't for football. I actually got to sit down and interview this comedy legend, Adam Carolla, while watching some football. It was last year during the NFL playoffs when the Jets upset the New England Patriots. I was there hanging out, drinking some Bud Light, interviewing Adam Carolla. <laughs> It was pretty much like this. When I was growing up, the people that had the braces on their teeth, that is, were the people that could afford braces. Right. Yeah, there's definitely and a correlation. There's a correlation between, you know, having a checkbook and a Mercedes and having teeth that need straightening. So, uh-oh, onside kick. Oh, why? Oh, no, no, he's taking it back. We can, uh, we're here at a happy ending at the end of the, uh, Jets Patriots game, the vaunted Patriots, who were, oh, and it was loose, there was an onside kick, it was loose, and instead of just falling on it, the Jets player picks it up and runs with it. Yes, you fall on it, and you essentially win the game, but if you give the ball up, you very well may lose the game, and Cromartie, who evidently likes to roll the dice, because he has seven kids from, like, Nine different women. He's not afraid of testing his luck. And uh, no, Cromartie was great because, like, uh, when he when he was being interviewed on <laughs> yeah, the, on Hard Knocks training camp, he's like, "I got my daughter Laquandra. She just turned three the other day. And I got my other daughter Moesha. She turned three the other day. And then there's uh, uh, there's little, uh, there's Cromartie. There's Marty Cromartie. He turned three the other day. And then I have uh, Nachilla. She turned three the other day. Hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you he did went, a running tab of how many three-year-olds this guy had. He went through an entire phone book. And at a certain point, I was like going, wait a minute. How are they all celebrating their third birthday? Right. How is one woman capable of? And then I went, oh. Oh, okay. It wasn't uh, one woman. It's yeah. not a traditional family structure. Right. Right? No need to judge. No, we can't judge. Well, I'm not afraid to judge, and I judge this next clip hilarious. And a poignant and just interesting. It's Johnny Laquasto talking about the relationship that drove him 
that drove him into stand-up comedy. Sometimes there's one thing that really pushes you into the career of stand-up comedy. For Johnny, it sounded like this relationship was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And like most great love stories, it has a happy ending. I actually was in a relationship when I moved out to California that I was trying to keep long distance. Problem is, she was at Penn State, and Penn State's a great place to be a whore. So that's what was going on there. She was, I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. She was whoring it out while I was trying to hang out. I was, you know, I was in that mode where I was blaming myself. I was in Pennsylvania mode where, like, she's the one. And, like, I was blaming myself for the whole thing. And, um, and after six months, she, uh, I I was actually, like, so now, yeah, give us an example of how, how did you find out that she was cheating on you? And what was your reaction? Like, give us a normal conversation. You know, some women, like to be secretive about what they're doing. This girl was kind enough to be honest about it and up front and be very matter-of-fact. Like, yeah, fuck the dude last night. <laughs> and didn't use a condom. Oh. Well, this is something we have to talk about after work. Like, it's literally how it was ridiculous. And so... Damn. I it was it was you know what this is how pathetic I was at this point in my life. There is there is a time I I went through a similar not not exactly to that or not as blatant but when you're young and you and you first uh, have a serious girlfriend and you're just having sex for on a regular a regular basis your just mind is consumed with that. Dude, Women don't understand that. I you know you just in that mode of like like I said I hadn't moved out here yet I hadn't seen what life is like so I'm like oh man she should probably be the one whatever whatever and so um. <laughs> yeah, so she she was hooking up at Penn State more or less, and I told her I said, hey, if things don't go well after six months in California, I'll move back. I, I started having this plan in my mind. I remember one night she hooked up with two dudes in the same weekend. Right? <laughs> what did I do instead of saying f off? I'm done with you. I booked a flight home to go visit her. Oh, oh my god. god, this is so pathetic. This, you are a pathetic tool. I could never even <laughs> mention myself. Yeah, I, I was see myself doing it, dude. I was, and I hope someone can relate to this. I was like, I flew home to visit her and thinking that would make things better. And I was like, okay, another couple months. I think I'm gonna move back. It's gonna be great. I literally had three days to just, to tell my buddies if I was because it was rent was due. And they're like, tell us. We, they gave up on me. They're like, you know, we're done. We're staying out here. We live in Costa Mesa. We're near the beach. This is great. Yeah, Orange beach. County, great lifestyle. Dude, they were learning how to logboard. They had, <laughs> they had beach cruisers. Meanwhile, I was sitting. Meanwhile, at home. you're worrying about this sorority girl that's oh, uh, hooking oh. up with everyone she can. <laughs> she was ridiculous. Goddamn people from Hazelton. Anyways, <laughs> and so. I had three days to decide. Now, I remember one night, I was like, literally, I was like, just very matter of fact, you know what, God, throw me a sign if you can, because I don't know what to do here. That night, I got a phone call at 11 p.m. You got, you got a sex from God. It's I got like a, her fucking up with some God. God sent me a naked picture. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get a phone call at 11 p.m. our time, 2 a.m. Eastern. She was on an internship in Florida at the time. She called me like little tipsy, like like giggly. She's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, nothing. You heading, heading home? She's like, oh, it's just at the bar. Now I'm going to the Best Western. I'm like, Best Western? Like with who? She goes, um... What's your Kevin? Is it? And I'm like, whoa, wait, who? Kevin is who? She's like, here, you want to talk to him? I'm like, no. Swear to God, she puts me on the phone with some dude <laughs> from Alabama, and it, I, I thought it sounded like I was talking to like Elvis's ghost. He's like, hey man, uh, I want to let you know, man, I ain't gonna take no advantage of her, man. I'm like, I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. And then I hear in the background, like, he's yeah, a he doctor. Did. He's a doctor. I'm like, they don't have med schools in Alabama. Shut up. And so she puts he puts her back on the phone. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just going to have some fun. I'm like, are you serious right now? I'm like, what are you? Are you going to make the right decision? She's like, look, I don't want to talk about this anymore. We argued for like 20 more minutes, hung up. I didn't sleep. I was like like curled up in a ball like a little wow. bitch. She calls me in the morning on her way into to work or whatever, and I'm like, what happened? She's like, you don't want to know. I'm like, what? are you serious? 
And I go, was it protected? She's like, no, but I figure, why not? He's a doctor. And I'm like, <laughs> oh and, and he, she let him take pictures of her. And it turns out his wedding ring was in his pocket the entire time. He was in Orlando on a work trip or something, right? <laughs> And so she started talking for the next two weeks. I already had a book, uh, a flight book to Orlando to visit her the next week. Oh, God. For Valentine's Day weekend. So I went. I, I'm like, re- you, this you went. I needed, like, I needed closure, Logan. I'm like, right. a per- I'm like a person in a horror movie. I'm just, uh, you're telling Dude. this and I'm trying yeah. to scream, no, stop. And by no means am I sad or I, I'm glad I went through this. And I know some other people have. I hope this, I've never even tried doing this on stage because it'd be fucking pointless and annoying. Oh, dude, this is real, though. It's interesting. It's real, but yeah, maybe I need to come sometimes, up with a punchline. Sometimes, yeah, well, sometimes it's hard to do a complete story on stage. You got to kind of figure it out. But, dude, this is real, man. Well, it, it gets a little bit better. And so I go to see her in Orlando. We had, we spent a couple days together and like nothing. Wait, are really you happened. hooking up? Are you hooking up with her when you're spending these days? No, we're not hooking up. So we're you're like, in Orlando. What do you guys do in Orlando for a few days when this is hanging over you? Like, she was interning at Disney World, so like she was working with uh, like dolphins. So I saw dolphins. And how's she acting through all this? Like obviously she called you to tell you she was cheating. Yeah. Well, in her mind, visitor. I remember her telling me in her eyes, if she was honest with me up front, then it was okay. Because she's like, some wow. people cheat and they lie. She's like, I'm not cheating because I'm telling you up front. In my head, I was like, she's got a goddamn good point. Like, I literally was so, <laughs> oh, Right, know. we're just, we're open with that kind of stuff. We're not uptight like uh, other couples who are like, hey, anyone was, who's in an open relationship, that never, that never was, really works. Dude, I was a train wreck. And so uh, the, the whole week in Orlando made me realize, I'm like, you know what, she ain't, she ain't it. And that, that was it. But that night, I remember when she called me and told me about the best Western. I got off the phone. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, you know what? I am finding a job for sure out here. I am staying in California. I'm signing my lease again. And I'm finding a way to do stand-up comedy. I don't know how, but I need to do something about this. And the silver lining is I went right to the improv website. At the time, they were running like comedy class at the Irvine Improv, which most comedy classes, they're god-awful. <clears throat> This one was actually good because it was run by a guy who had just done Premium Blend, and it was legit. I learned the basics, and then, you know, from there you're on your own, but it was still cool to do. And the silver lining is about a year later, I didn't talk to her for a couple years. I found out um, about six months to a year after all that shit happened with us, uh, she was dating a guy who gave her herpes. So, <laughs> Well, I guess a diamond isn't the only thing that lasts forever. Friendship lasts forever, too, guys, especially when you got two pals coming in the studio. I welcomed on my buddy Brooks Whelan and Paul Danke, Paul, of course, of the Comedy Garage. And uh, Brooks brought to my attention a certain clip that really has a bit of everything. Politics, parody, and pizza. And, of course, Herman Cain. Sent me this... YouTube. I don't know. How did you come across this? Um, I Well, a lot of my work day is also on Google News because it's not blocked. And I will just – I read a lot of news because what are we going to do? Work? Come on. Exactly. Um, Get serious. Just want to re, just reiterate in case any of my workers listen to this. Love this job. It's the yeah. best. Um, well, that sounds like a good gig. But I spend most of the time on Google News. So I've, I find out that Herman Cain – had a, like in 1998 at a Godfather's Pizza like Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> He's an amazing singer. He sang uh, John Lennon's "Imagine," only oh, changed. Oh yeah. No, only changed the yep. words yep. to oh. "Imagine There's No Pizza." Yes! Oh, here we go. Hold on, I am back on board.
edit it out like 30 seconds of the I couldn't if I tried Eating all the tacos Or Kentucky Fries Now, if there's any, I mean, okay, he's a black Democrat It's so crapping on uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken This guy is he's kind of an Uncle Tom might become the president now it, it's so beautiful is all now, i can now this think is, of this is i'm enjoying this that the guy has a sense of humor and i appreciate that in a candidate but let's look at if we want a president supposedly a, a tight conservative guy like herman cain to come in he's paying for not multiple backup singers this saxophone guy this is not cheap this you think that's coming value. out of his own pocket no, no he's Wasting all this Godfather pizza money, oh. he's splurging all this cash. I don't look know. at the spectacle. Look how he's galvanizing his his Godfather's employees. They love it. That's true. Maybe it is a morale yeah, boost. I, it is a morale boost for me. He's... I'm I'm lifted up like fucking crazy right now. It's one of these things. I don't know where they cut the song off because it it just keeps getting better. After this, absolutely. He knows how to win over white people. Hey, let's do a song parody to the Beatles about pizza and also throw in a couple extreme sports references by talking about how I love skateboarding. Herman Cain, unfortunately, not a part of the political landscape anymore. Couldn't take the heat, so he got out of the kitchen. Well, this next guy, he can always take the heat. He always has uh, some sort of run-in with different people. He's a loudmouth New York fella. Super funny. Super angry, 
super confrontational. He's Rob Christensen. You know when you just lean over and whisper to someone, and that's when the whole crowd goes dead, and everyone hears what you're saying. Right? Yeah, the worst timing. That's what happens. So the girl, she says the Beatles are overrated. And uh, Colby leans <laughs> Which over Which is an me. insanely yeah. asinine thing right, to say yeah. to begin with. And we're already annoyed with a bad comedy. And then Colby leans over to me and tries to whisper. He's like, her whole act is overrated. <laughs> and at that, the whole bar heard her say that. So now she's trying, she's trying to defend herself like any comic would. But she Right. And, and also, how do you, de- you put yourself in such a bad situation? How do you defend yourself of yeah. going, no, wait, the Beatles are overrated, but tr- I'm yeah. not overrated. How do you how do you justify that? Right. So, yeah, so she's trying to defend herself, but we tried to warn her, and we tried to let her know, listen, we're comics, we're on the show, let's not get into it. She wanted to get into it, so, you know, we went at her. She was just fat, ugly, big vagina, <laughs> just like two dumb, manly, <laughs> caveman comedians. We were destroying her in front of the whole crowd. It was funnier than any, she, anything she was doing on stage. Right. And then so some other comedian stands up, and goes and gets in the face of my buddy Colby, and it's kind of like pushing him and screaming in his face for us to shut up and sit down or leave. And so when I see that happening, uh, simultaneously the guy who books the show sees it happening, and I see it happening. So the, the dude who books the show is running at the scene, and I'm running at the scene, and I punch the dude in the face that's arguing with Colby, and then the dude who runs the show pushes me back. And then he gets on the phone, of course. He's like, I'm calling the police on you. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I do what anyone would do. I'm like, I'll punch you a couple more times if you call the cops. And I try to punch him while I was on the phone with the cops. And I was like. Right. And your logic was, yeah. if I'm going to get arrested for assaulting exactly. you, I'm going to make sure I yeah. can squeeze all my assault That's out. Like, listen, I'm going to tell everyone right now. If you call the cops on me, I'm going to beat you harder. <laughs> Until the, I'm going, it's going to be assault no matter what, you know? So, just, so, just so you remember, Rob you Christensen, very sensitive man. If I get one off on you, just walk away. <laughs> All right. That was a warning. So so we get into this argument, and then, like, some some other girl wants to get involved, some big, fat black girl, and she's coming at me, and she's about to hit me. And I was like, listen, if you touch me, I'm going to knock you out. And she stops dead in her tracks, turns around, walks away. And uh, and, and they're all screaming. And, and the whole time, Colby's trying to close out his tab because, of course, he's got a tab at the bar. He's gotta <laughs> That's got to be weird. Uh, bartender! Yeah. Bartender! <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's signing like he's trying to sign out the tip while I'm like fending off a whole bar, and they're like, and then finally some dude's like, you guys will never get up in New York again. Kobe <laughs> signs his tab, turns around, he's like, it's okay, we live in L.A. And at that point, the whole bar erupts. Oh man, it's all New Yorkers who want to kill us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you t- you turn the tide there. You don't you don't want to say that in a in a bar full of angry New Yorkers. Right. Yeah, so they all start rushing us. <laughs> we we leave, but as I'm leaving, I pick up a bar stool and just chuck it. At the whole crowd, hit, hit the hit the dude. I just pictured, I just pictured like people with pitchforks and torches trying yeah. to run you and Colby out of this open mic. So I hit the dude that I hit in the face. I hit him with the stool in the arm, and also the big fat black girl. She got hit with the stool too, because they were running the show. They were in front of the mob that was charging. Okay, me. they got hit. With so the stool. to be clear, you weren't you weren't aiming the stool at her. No, just chucking a stool. You know how it is, guys. When you're out there and and, and like ten people are trying to beat you up, you just throw the stool. You're not aiming. You're not aiming. <laughs> right. You're not a malicious man. Just sometimes you got to check a stool. All right. Yeah. I hear you. And so I think it's all done. We, we hop in a cab. Two minutes later, we're at another mic getting on stage. I love New York for that reason. Next day on Facebook, I get, hey, are you the Rob Christensen that punched me in the face last <laughs> night? <laughs> If you are, I think you deserve. I deserve an apology. You better. No, you know, you must be have mis- mistaken. That's what I said. Other Rob Christensen that punched you in the face. That's what I said. I sent him back that message, but he said, uh, uh, "Unless you come meet up with me 
then I'm going to call the cops on you. And it's like, come on, I know that. I've done this to people. If I go meet up with you, you're going to have your biggest friend there, and then I'm going to have to beat the hell out of your friend, too. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I, I write back, no, you got the wrong Rob Christensen. He write, writes back <laughs> He right, but he See now, this is this would have been a good time to ignore the message. Yeah, no, no, I'm not that, I'm not that smart. Okay, so you're there, you get the message. Yeah. <laughs> I love how I love how you get two messages. You probably right about the same time. Do you want to confirm this this yeah. relationship with this girl? No, never. <laughs> Are you the Rob Christensen who punched you in the face on a comedy show? No. Like, is my life great or terrible at that moment? I can't decide. At least I got stuff going on, right? Right. You got a lot of pending commitments. But anyway, he, he hits me back and he's like, yeah, I checked all your pictures. You're definitely the Rob Christensen <laughs> that punched me in the face. I Meanwhile, you're yeah. just like, oh, my oh, God, geez. why did I not set all these photos to private? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I did that now, so now I don't have a lot of photos up. But uh, the funniest part of it all is that he's, he's threatening to call the cops on me, right, and get me for assault, which he could. He said he had witnesses and that people were willing to testify. So I could have got, got locked up a little bit for it. But the whole reason I went to New York is because I went to go see my brother graduate from uh, the police academy. Oh. So now I got a new – my brother's got this sweet little job. He's a detective now. And, and so at dinner the next night, I'm staying at my brother's house. And I'm like, hey, bro, you know what would be funny? It'd be real funny if you put my name in a computer, see if there's any warrants, some old, see what's in there for me. It'd be fun. It'd be funny, right? You can see stuff I got arrested for back. Yeah, put my name in a computer. And he texted me the next day. He's like, no, there's nothing going on. There's no warrants. There's nothing. You're clean in Manhattan. I could check Brooklyn. I was like, no, 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 no. That's fine. Well, they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I'm confident Ed Greer is going to make it everywhere one day. But Ed and I got into a conversation about what exactly is making it these days. It's not just record sales or how many times you're on Ed Sullivan. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to explain to your freaking right. aunt why you're not on TV every day, but how you're able to make a living. And you're just like, dude, I know dudes who do colleges exclusively and they get paid like a million dollars a year. And yeah. no, you would never know who those dudes are. Jimmy McGillicuddy, you know, whoever <laughs> these guys, and they're making bank. They got a corporate. Jimmy McGillicuddy kills it on the corporate circuit. Right. I mean, it, it, does, it does make you realize. Show business and media in general was so much more simple back, you know, even 10 years ago. Okay, you were either famous or you weren't. You were either on television or considered a real performer or you weren't. Now it's it's become so crazy and diversified and new media, etc. There's a show, Harry Bikers, where it's just two guys that are kind of hairy and they're on the History <laughs> Channel going around having pointless adventures. And I watch this and go, this is what I aspire to be on? Like, this is what... <laughs> this is this stupid box where two hairy bikers are trying gumbo soup and they're not entertaining at all. It's a, it's an insane piece of shit. Dude. But this is what I wake up every day going, I got to get a cable TV show because that's the, that's the media I was brought up in. But meanwhile... Well, I don't want to be a hairy biker. That's that's an awful idea. I don't, they, these guys have nothing to say. Chumley will probably of uh, Pawn Stars. That's just. I mean, TV has become a point where we put people on TV because we make fun of them. TV used to be an honor. Like, wow, you're so talented. We're going to put you on. Right. Now it's yeah. like now it's like in the same way you patronize mentally challenged people. That's what we do with television. Oh, hey, you want a TV show? That'll be funny if this guy who's stupid <laughs> right. and re- this guy who's on steroids and drunk all the time. Imagine if they followed him with a camera. That's funny. Right. We can laugh at them because we feel okay. They're getting paid. Because we're better than them. Soon, eventually, you'll. TV will be a point of shame where, hey, you, <laughs> hey, you keep, you keep fucking up. Oh my I'm, God, you're that guy on television. <laughs> hey, you keep messing up. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna ground you, kids. I'm gonna put you on television. No, don't do that. <laughs> 
This next guy you're going to see on plenty of TV sets all across the country for years to come, Gerard Carmichael. Uh, Gerard came in studio, and we got a little sidetracked. I was uh, telling a story about delivering some groceries to J.C. Chavez. Next week we know we're talking about Lou Pearlman stealing people's souls. It's an entertaining conversation, to say the least. And it reminds me, I actually... When I'm not when I'm not destroying stand up comedy stages, I also deliver groceries. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I delivered groceries today to JC Chavez, who really? is used to be in InSync. I think he was one of the other InSync. One dudes. of the other guys, yeah. Yeah, and he's he seems to be doing really well. Got oh, a huge pad, tipped sixty bucks. Of course. Which I used to uh, bet on the New Orleans Saints, who I don't know if you saw the game earlier. No, how was it? Well, it was well. It was awesome if you didn't bet on the New Orleans Saints, but the really? game—it was a great game. Came down to the last play. The New Orleans Saints are driving. They totally shouldn't be in, in this game. They're down by eight points. Mm-hmm. I only need them to lose by five points. So all, they're at the ten-yard line. They're about to go in for a score. Mm-hmm. Throw a pass. Game's over. Incomplete pass. But no, wait. There's a flag. Pass interference in the end zone. They get it down to the one-yard line. Wow. And then the next play, they run it up the gut, and they get stuffed. See, that's a beautiful thing. That's a be- that's what football is about, though. like those exciting nights. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what's that's what I enjoy about gambling, that intensity. Yeah. But it is funny to think, like, that $60 probably had a weird path. Like, so that's, you know, that $60. Uh-huh. That came out of these teeny boppers twelve years ago. Yes. Who were like diehard NSYNC fans. Yeah. Worked its way into JC Chavez's house and then became part of my paycheck, which I bet on the New Orleans. And now it's in some bookies' hands in the Caribbean. It could have been. It could have. It could have been. Uh, it could have uh, gone to like a Ponzi scheme by the manager. What Perlman was the name? Yeah, Lou Perlman. Lou Perlman. Yeah, yeah, it could have gone to like Lou Perlman's hands. It could have. Yeah. So you know, I think. I, I think I would rather go to that bookie. Well, Lou Perlman. I mean. It, I guess one of the uh, sync or 98 Degrees came out and it sounded like Lou Perlman was hooking up with some of the some of the guys Perhaps. and and being. I mean, this guy was like a scumbag on every kind of level. Like, not only was he ripping these guys off, but he was also like, "Hey, uh, you're gonna have to suck my dick, and then I'm gonna steal your money from your record contract." Like, okay, hey, if I suck your dick to get a record contract. Fine, that's I made my deal with the devil, but at least don't screw me on the back end as well. That's hilarious. Uh, he, I, I think, um, I mean, but that may be the first time. It's not, that's the closest anybody's ever come to actually taking someone's soul. Like you can't, like, a, like, like, like a human being can't possibly take your soul. But Lou Pearlman came damn close to it's like, actually. It's like, yeah. all right, I, I got your respect, I got your dignity, your uh-huh. pride. That flew right out the window. Yeah. when you're greasing me up as one of my cabana boys, your money, I got that, and I put you in an industry where I control all the power. And once I decide to end your career, good luck ever finding another. Yeah, and then the, I mean, the pond. He's like he, Lou Pearlman. Yeah, like I, as if, as if luring these boys in and, and taking their money wasn't enough. He had to also do a Ponzi scheme on the side. I don't, I don't think that Lou Pearlman exists. I think he was written by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yes. Quentin Tarantino is one hell of a screenwriter. And that's a perfect transition for this next clip. A very talented screenwriter in his own right. A little funnier, I must say. Matt Sullivan, co-writer of uh, 30 Minutes or Less. He was in studio last year. This was previous year of college football season. We are talking about Andrew Luck deciding not to be drafted number one, instead to come back and play another year of football. We couldn't wrap our heads around it. 
is going to be the number one draft pick. All he has to do is declare himself eligible for the draft. Seems easy enough, right, Logan? Right. Or is it? This is courtesy of ESPN. Well, Chris, Andrew Luck wanted to return to school. He enjoys the college experience. Yeah, of course you enjoy the college experience. You're an amazing quarterback having tons of fun. But you know what's a little more fun than that? Making $15 million a year on top of that. Like, how how short-sighted are you? How crazy are you that that everyone's dream, every red-blooded straight male in this country is dying to be Andrew Luck so that you can become a professional athlete? Who's who's happy with, oh, hey, I'm not making any money. Hey, just think about all the money I'm making for Stanford. Well, who was that quarterback for USC that did the same thing? What? Oh, yeah, uh, you're talking about Matt Leiner. Matt Leiner was was going to go much higher than he actually did, came back for a senior year, didn't have a dominating senior year, hurt his draft position, and didn't make the money that he should have made coming out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Same thing with, uh, was it Jake Looker or Jake Locker? Jake Locker, yeah. Like, he was like, they were saying he was like, based on just like, you know, his physical tools, he was like... uh, a top top three pick, and now he's potentially out of the first round. Right, yeah. I mean, the same thing. How can you turn up all this money? You have a great thing going for you. I mean, clearly he's just really smart. I mean, he goes to Stanford, so <laughs> listen we're just to, not smart enough to Listen like, to some this. of his reasons. He told me that if he were to leave school, he would actually miss his professors. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what's actually what what's, interesting, what's interesting about that is um, I was actually reading an article, and – that's actually the the same excuse a lot of people that it takes six years to graduate. They, they say the same thing, that they would actually miss their professors. So that's why they, they take six years to graduate. Yeah, I think um, in Tommy Boy, I think that's why it took him yeah, seven exactly. years to graduate. He was just such good friends with the professors. Don't you understand? Okay, yeah, of course a professor is going to be your friend. Of course he's going to be nice to you. You're Andrew Block for Christ's sake! What? You know who? You know what? Who else is going to be really nice? Yeah. All the amazing hot chicks that you're going to get to bang as a professional athlete. You want friendships? They'll be yeah. your friends, as as well as every person that comes into the sixty thousand seat stadium that you'll sell out every week if you just become a professional athlete. Yeah, not to draw too many parallels, but when when Andrew Luck. When he writes Herbie Hancock on a test, he actually gets that right at Stanford. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It, yeah, of course you're going to miss the college experience because you're the man. But you know where else you could be the man and get paid $20 million? The National Football League. Yeah. You, you miss your professors? You know what you can do? You can buy him a ticket to the game because you're making $20 million <laughs> yeah, a year, you idiot. He doesn't necessarily think that he's... Hey, your professor wants to go on an archaeological dig in Chile? Guess who's footing the bill? Andrew Luck, because he's making $20 million a year. Hey, hey, that gym teacher who wants to open his own his own little uh, rec center. You know who can fund that? You, Andrew Luck, if you decide to come in the draft. Formed as a quarterback that there are things he can improve upon before he enters the NFL draft. It's kind of funny. I spoke to John Elway on the sideline. Real quick, uh, that's kind of funny. That's a reporter's way of saying, "My God, this guy's stupid." Yeah. Like uh, uh, being an objective, uh, like um, trying to come without a, like a, an, a biased opinion. They'll say, "Oh, hey, this is kind of funny." The the pretense being, this guy's an insane idiot. Spoke to John Elway <laughs> on the sideline uh, at uh, the Orange Bowl, and Elway told me that uh, he doesn't see any flaw in Andrew Luck's team. <laughs> so John Elway, possibly what? Top five quarterback of all time, or at least in certainly in the top ten quarterbacks of all time, just gave his stamp of approval to the point that saying there's nothing you can work on in your game, and you're still saying, uh, I'm 
gonna I'm gonna wait it out. Well, <laughs> well he, he's definitely a perfectionist. He's a perfectionist. Right. That's what it is, you know. Yeah, he just wants to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, he just wants to be the best he can be. Which, as the number one NFL pick, that's what you would be. It, it, ah, as a guy who wants some dreams to come true, if someone just offers you that, how do you just turn that down and go, eh, not yet. I want, I want to feel things out. Yeah. What, I, what kind of better situation are you waiting for? Really, all he had to say, too, was, I want to come back. I want to win a national championship, and I want to beat the shit out of every team we play. I want to, I want to beat Oregon. I want to beat you know, everyone in the Pac-10. I want to run the table, and then we're going to shove it down whoever the fuck we play next year in whatever the fucking BCS game is. And if he came out and said that, I'd be like, that dude's badass. I can respect okay. that guy. All right. But some jerk-off that's like, I'm going to miss my professors. <laughs> yeah. God damn. I hope you break your leg Matt, and like, now, get, Matt. You know, tear your ACL and like... <laughs> Well, I got to be honest, guys, I almost blew out my ACL when I was in studio for this last moment, the last moment of the green room, dirty dozen, biggest 12 clips of the year leading into 2012. This is uh, Nick Rutherford of Good Neighbor and also writer for Loiter Squad. He was hanging out in studio, and I came across a country song that I thought was hilariously dark. So I played it for the guys, and we had a, we had a fun little session riffing on this Tim McGraw gem. Enjoy. Been kind of uh, just kind of bored of my own music playlist. I don't know if you guys ever go through that where yep. you got the iPod, you got everything you want on there. You got all the classics, you got your Grateful Dead, you got the band, you got the Allman Brothers, but you're you're hankering for something new. You're you're just like I, I'm I'm tired of the same rut. <laughs> and I got the satellite radio, so I started just throwing. My new move now is just throwing country. Just been listening to a lot of country. Whoa, that's how it starts, man. <clears throat> New right, country it, it was, or old country? A little bit of everything, Logan. I like my pop country. I got some bluegrass going. Little, I got Willie's, little big and rich. Willie's Roadhouse going. Tim McGraw. I'm all over Tim McGraw. He has his own channel on satellite radio. And I was really getting into it. And I, I've heard a lot of country songs. And you, you know that they're they're sad songs, obviously. It's it's kind of like blues for hillbillies. But I never I never heard a the song good, the this The good ones are sad. <laughs> right. I would say like some of them are Well yeah, then really there is goofy. that there is that kind of like that honky tonk pop country I'm Shania Twain. You know, Ocean there's that front property <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, these uh these song lyrics really stuck with me in how incredibly sad they were, but all right, uh, this is a uh, Tim McGraw, and uh, I won't reveal the name of the title, kind of give away what I'm going at here, but this is a uh, Tim McGraw. All right, uh, I'm, I'm in so far. He's, he's talking about drinking too much, ha- hurting people's feelings. He feels yeah. bad. He's just a he's just a sad kind of guy, sad sack. Just thinking about him in the pickup with his loyal dog. Maybe he's got a plug of chow in. Maybe he's just thinking about the world, and the weight of the world on his shoulders. Oh, he doesn't need help. He, he can he can handle it on his own. Oh, he he loves her. Oh, sweet end. I'm gonna kill myself. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it's so romantic 
This is a slow dance song. That's the ultimate gift he can give to someone. Okay, growing up in Texas at the middle school dances, this these are the slow songs when the country song comes on. Right. Can you imagine just yeah. dancing to that song? Yeah, screw Stairway to Heaven. Just yeah. listen to Tim McGraw kill myself. You're about to make a move and kiss her. Everybody in the auditorium saying that in unison. I'm going to kill, kill myself. Yeah, break your lighters out. It's the Kill Yourself song. I, I guess maybe if Tim, if he wanted to defend the lyrics, he'd probably say, oh, it's about, it's I'm playing a character who kills himself. But that's blatantly just saying, hey, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And it, the, the, the lyrics well, the go whole, on. The whole like, lyrics are very eloquent. And then at the end, it's, I'm going to kill myself. Did you, did you feel that was coming? Did, did that, no. Didn't that I thought so, those were great lyrics up to that. The, I'm, I'm sorry for what I've done, maybe. Right? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make it up. I'm going to go ramble for a while. Yeah. I'll or, be back later. Or at least I'm going to end it all. Or right. Say it, in a, say it yeah. in a poetic way. End it all. Put an end to it. Sell stop my, it. Sell my truck. Sell the farm. Something. Yeah. A little bit of mystery. Kill myself. Is the next verse go into graphic detail of how? Did it get right. 20, no, no. He doesn't, he doesn't get quite that graphic, but he does go through uh, this weird thing of like, well, first off, he says it's not a cry for help. First of all, quick, suicide always Quick is. side note. When it, yeah, it is funny when people survive. Yeah, it's it's when, not just a suicide note. It's a suicide song. <laughs> right, exactly. Cry for help? Clearly, this is a cry for help, Tim McGraw. You imagine like the engineer. Okay, we got a hot track coming up. All right. Kill myself. Okay, yeah, I don't know if this is top 40, Tim. Come on. We've really been on a roll. Uh, perhaps uh, drive your truck into a, I I just, know, a crevice or something. <laughs> not just say kill yourself. Just hit the, hit the record button, please. <laughs> okay, uh... uh Tim, can we lighten up at, at all on the lyrics, Tim? Uh, how about I throw in I, an I love you before the... the okay, I love you. That's good. Okay. That's good. You love The love is lost. Maybe you're going to kill your old self. K- kill your old self. Symbolic? I huh? feel like that's going to go over people's heads. I'm just going to get right to the point. <laughs> okay, but t- come on, Tim. We want to get something down. We want to get CMT... How are we going to shoot the video? What's the video going to be like? Please. It's going to be I me don't... in an old motel room with my toe in the, the safety of a 22-odd rifle with the barrel in my mouth. Okay. I know I know we appeal <laughs> to people who own guns, and that's good. Maybe Smith & Wesson, we can get a little product placement. I like that idea. I like that angle. But just maybe maybe leave some room for a sequel there somewhere in the song. I'm going to slip my wrist and bleed out in a tub. Is that, is that what you're asking? I think we're just on different pages. Hey, Timmy, what's up? It's me, your agent. Is this guy giving you a problem? <laughs> yeah, he's like, you don't want me to do my art. Man, I'm playing a character who is exactly like myself who wants to kill himself. Is that true, Mr. Producer? You know, this guy's sold millions of records. You're lucky to even have him working with you. And I want you to know this is not a cry for help. This is not a cry for help. I'll put that in the song if that helps. <laughs> okay, I guess that helps. I guess let's make it obvious it's not a cry for help. Okay, there we go. See, we can all work together, guys. We can all work together, guys. Couldn't have said it better myself. Logan, I want to say thank you to Logan, who's not here. He's hanging out in Texas, but I want to thank him for all his work on the show. And I want to thank you guys once again for downloading the show, turning people onto the show, tweeting the show at Green Room Show. I really appreciate that. That's how the show spreads, guys, because the show can be as big as you want it to be. If you guys really enjoy it, you tell people about it. The show grows. The more show downloads, the bigger stars I get. Guys, if you want me to get Snooky, I can probably get Snooky, but I'm going to need some. I need the downloads to go up. You, you want me to go after Louis C.K.? Maybe I can get Louis C.K. need the downloads to go up. You know what I'm saying? Like The more people that listen to the show, the greater chance we have to get bigger name guests on. And that being said, we already got some uh, couple big names lined up for 2012. 
I'm expecting an amazing year. Hopefully you had a great 2011, and if you didn't, 2012, I got a good feeling about it. I don't give a fuck what those minds said, all right? 2012, guys, you feel that? You, me? This is our year, okay? For everyone at the Green Room, I want to say thank you for listening to the program. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com.